Beyond the Fence Line, a podcast brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Created by landowners for landowners, we're proud to play a role in conserving the Texas legacy of wide open spaces. Good afternoon. This is uh, Chad Ellis, the host of Beyond the Fence Line. And I always love our episodes where we have producers come, the ones that actually get their hands, you know, dirty and, and the true conservationist. And we have, uh, you know, a true conservationist today with us today, uh, Meredith Ellis, a rancher out of North Central Texas, out of Cook County. And I want to thank you again, Meredith, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's good to talk with you. You know, your, your land, like so many other ranches, is home to impressive numbers of diverse wildlife and plant species. And I've often heard you really describe your ranch as this national forest, this preservation. And, and I, I really like to just kick off chatting about your property and, and uh, you know, what it's all home to and, and what it means to you and your family. Yeah, definitely. So um, our ranch spans about 3000 acres and um, it's really at the uh, convergence of two ecoregions. So the High Plains ecoregion and the Cross Timbers ecoregion. So we have like rolling upland hills um, with just, you know, every native grass you can think of, you know, wide open prairies, you know, think of that in your mind. But then also we have a lot of topography and some bottom land with um, just some uh, really dense forested land with uh, ancient live oaks. Uh, um, we've got two different creeks running through our ranch um, that feed to larger waterways and then um, just a number of seeps. Um, I've cataloged, I've spent about two years cataloging all of the biodiversity on the ranch and um, you know, my goal was to just catalog like one of every plant that I could possibly find on the ranch. And I met over 400 different species, um, well over a hundred different wildflowers, um, uh, an endangered, federally endangered orchid. Um, we've got monarch butterflies and bald eagles. Um, it's just, uh, just a breathtaking, piece of property and um, 200 mother cows along with it. So, um, you know, we're blessed to be able to um, be able to preserve it and um, keep it healthy uh, because of our, our cattle operation. It just sounds amazing. And, you know, I've, I've been fortunate and been a pleasure to, to see your place and, and uh, it's absolutely amazing. You know, I think, you know, I think through, I guess, some of, you know, my journey, journey as a, you know, rancher and, you know, as well, and, and others, Meredith, and kind of think about, you know, a lot of times you kind of go through this journey of, you know, I'm a cattleman, and then you kind of go through this and like, no, I'm a grass farmer, right, or a grassman, and understand that grass component. And then you kind of go through this other transition of saying, you know, actually, I, it really is about the soils and I'm actually a soils manager. And, 
you know, I, I, I know you've kind of gone through that and, and see that. So really what you've described of kind of laying out this visual of your property really boils down to the soil, you know, and I've heard you talk about a number of times, Meredith, you've described your soil as our most underappreciated asset. So why is it so important and why, it, why isn't soil more of a focus? Yeah, so I've given quite a bit of thought to that and I want to back up and I, I, I partnered, started part, partnering with the Botanical Research Institute of Texas about two years ago to um, have a scientific approach to documenting um, different plots um, around our ranch to understand the effect cattle we're having on the ecosystem. And so whether they were benefiting the soil or they were um, a detriment to the area. And I did that, you know, um, for about a year, but then um, un understood as of late, I had an NRCS guy come out and he said, if you're gonna do this, you have got to do it based on soil type. So I've learned um, over, over the years or over the months that, um, you know, we have two major eco regions, but um, we really on our ranch specifically, I'm looking at seven different uh, environmental um, habitats uh, directly based on soil type. And so why is that important? Because the soil is what informs your plant community in that specific location. And so with, without knowing what's going on below the ground, um, you're really not doing a good job observing what's, what's occurring above the ground. And, um, you know, I'm, I think like, in general, um, for for people that you know maybe aren't familiar with ranching and how um, ruminant animals uh, are um, uh, are tied to the land in a in a symbiotic way, um, there's a almost a microbiome of the cows mixing with a microbiome in the soil, and so in places that I'm seeing that are grazed by cattle, I'm seeing a much richer, diverse um, species of plants than I am in the same soil type um, of, of locations that are not grazed on our ranch. And so I'm, you know, my eye is directly um, pointed down in the, in the dirt um, it, at this point moving forward. And um, I, I think like the reason there might be a disconnect between the importance of soil um, to not only our food systems, but our environment as a whole is because it's not something that we can um, relate to very easily. We can't anthropomorphize mycorrhizal fungus very easily, right, right. you know, so, so those types of things. And so really um, as a rancher, learning those visual cues for me to be able to deduct what's going on below the soil um, is something that is a, 
is a great asset um, for not just me and managing my ranch, but but for the um, ecosystem as a whole that I'm trying to uh, keep as healthy as possible. Yeah, I think you're just spot on, right? The ecological process is very complex, right? And it's it's hard to understand that. And I think we lose sight. You know, I think you, you articulated very well, Meredith, in that when we really look at, especially our, our plains, central plains, right, of, of Texas being part of that, you know, those ecological processes really were developed around grazing and fire. And, um, you know, when we take some of those things out of the components, um, it's hard for our plant communities and, and those ecological processes to to move forward. And, and uh, it's, you know, when we kind of really think of it even a broader piece, right, of sustainability and staying in business, right, from being economical to, you know, like you were talking about the environmental and conservation and really what this podcast is about, right, beyond the fence line of all of these benefits that you're providing back to the community and tying back to the community, you know, there's a, there's a lot at stake there. And, you know, what happens if, if your land is sold and what is the impact of that loss? Oh, I mean, for me, it would, it would be something that I just um, could never, um, could never live with. I mean, you know, I really feel like my motivation is coming from a, a place of wanting to make the world better for my six-year-old son. Um, and uh, the Texas Observer stated that in, in Texas alone, there's only 1% of native grassland remaining in the state of Texas. Um, and then nationwide, I, I think that number is like 4% or something. I mean, it's just really low. And, um, you know, once you lose that symbiotic relationship of all of these species that are, are um, working together to, to um, you know, uh, live with each other and, and working with each other, and you break that cycle, um, you, you can't get it back. It's so much easier to protect it and to keep it, um, you know, than it is to try to recreate that, that system. And so, um, you know, for me, uh, my number one goal, uh, in my life is to leave this land better off than it was before and to hold it in, uh, uh, perpetuity for um, for the benefit of us all on on this planet. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressures, and you know, from keeping keeping the land better and and just staying staying in business, right? And mm -hmm. do you have any advice for for other you know farmers and ranchers facing these pressures um, of trying to stay in business, trying to keep keep their land intact yeah I, I do um so that's another thing I, I mean I, I always come back to my son but I guess that's yep. just what moms do but <laughs> my thinking is that you know what what can I do to make this ranch profitable and less risky in the future so it's something that is an appealing line of work for um, 
for my son to want to, you know, he can, he can um, have a steady income in order to preserve it. And so um, those are kind of the uh, uh, things that I think of, you know, because the next generation um, that really might not be interested in ranching um, have a lot of bills to pay, health insurance to pay, when they're looking at selling this land that's appreciating and and having a big chunk of money in their pocket, or you know working in an uncertain, unforgiving ranching industry, um, it's really a no-brainer. So, you know, um, I've put a lot of thought into what what needs to be done um, to help, uh, you know, preserve uh, this land um, for, for the future generation to want to um, have, uh, have that undertaking. And um, there's, there's a lot of options, you know, uh, talc is one of them, but um, for uh, some, some things that are in the works are the um, Ecosystem Services Market Consortium, um, which is a, a program that's a private uh, agreement um, between a rancher and a corporation that would like to um, buy environmental benefits um, uh, to have on their um, portfolio. So the main... Uh, the main um, goods that a rancher would be trading would be um, carbon that's sequestered in the, to the ground, um, clean water that's uh, sent downstream, um, and then there's a biodiversity component that's that's in the works. And so basically, a ranch that is doing a good job maintaining their ecosystem can receive payments from a corporation wanting to support the, that good work, um, you know, and so that, that way a, um, a ranch can um, help lower their risk, help, help be more profitable uh, moving forward. Um, there's also a group that I'm involved with um, called the uh, Rural Investment to Protect the Environment. And um, this group is um, trying to uh, basically the exact same thing of the, as the Ecosystem Services Market Consortium, except it's a uh, public payment. So it's, it's through the, the government. Um, so I think both you know, the federal government and these large corporations are realizing that the value that Ranchland um, has is not just pounds of beef, it's clean water downstream. It's carbon that's sequestered in the soil. It's ecosystems that's that's housing a lot of biodiversity. That that those are products that need to be added to a rancher's portfolio that they provide to the world, not just beef. And so, in the very near future, there's going to be a public option uh, and a private option um, to get a little income. Uh, uh, for the good work that that ranchers are doing, or that good work that ranchers would like to adopt in the future, um, so those are options uh, in the future. Yeah, I think those are great, great, great options, right? I mean, I think free market approaches are are, are the way of the future, and and help, as you said, articulated. You know, keep keeping um, keeping our our operations viable, right? And really, where it comes down to, it's really about 
quantifying those ecosystem values. Um, and I know this is, you know, something that really could help combat this pressure. I know, you know, you and I have talked about this. I know you're part of, you know, multiple research, you know, in this area. Um, would you like to kind of maybe share with us some of the research and some of those components around the valuing of these ecosystem services that you're a part of? Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, for the ecosystem services market consortium, um, a lot of the research is um, uh, around the carbon that's sequestered in the ground. So um, in order to get kind of a ballpark average based on soil types and practice uh, practices that ranchers are doing, um, you know, we've got to um, have some solid data on that, that we can extrapolate to other soil types and locations um, in the area. Um, and so we're working on that. So there's a lot of, you know, core samples, um, soil analyses, those types of things. But then um, on top of, you know, that on the ground work, um, there's also a lot of uh, detailed, um, inputs that I've given the, the ESMC as far as the amount of gasoline that we use, um, the practices that we do, the, the number of head in the pasture, the grass types, you know, <laughs> I've given them so much information, but the, the, um, the, the goal around that is to take that data from rancher, ranchers like me and be able to extrapolate that to a larger population of people that would like to apply um, apply to the ESMC. And so, um, you know, we're the guinea pigs and we're doing the hard work for, um, you know, when the whole system goes online, it'll be a much smoother process for uh, a rancher um, to sign up when it's, when it's public. Yeah. Thanks, you know, Meredith, and, you know, my hat's off to you in many ways and, and uh, admire you. Um, and I think all producers do and that your sacrifice, right? I mean, you sacrifice time away from your operation, time away from little GC, your son and, and family and, and that balance of, of you going the extra steps of not just helping, you know, your, your own operation, but helping all of us. And, you know, I think some of that comes beyond of, I mean, you just tell a great story. And I know you spend a lot of time in that sacrifice of having that opportunity to go tell that story of, you know, you and I have gone to DC and I know you travel and, and give talks and those things. And, um, you know, there's a lot of other farmers and ranchers all over who want to tell the story and, and want to tell it as well as you do. Um, but do you feel like ranchers are really heard and you know I guess another kind of second part to the question is you know what kind of noise is uh drowning out their story well um you know I I don't feel like ranchers are being heard in in general um you know uh when my dad you know first bought this ranch um, in the early 80s. He didn't say, oh, this thousand acres of forest land is sequestering so much carbon and I bet we have a lot of endangered species on here. You know, that that wasn't on his radar. Right. And, 
And my suspicion is that there are a number of ranchers out there that have no idea the incredible value that they're providing the world. They're just ranching, you know? And, um, you know, I guess the reason why I feel like I want to be vocal is because I see so much opportunity and possibility right now. Um, I feel like we can uh, be a big solution to the climate issues of our time. Um, and I feel like it's not this big leap, you know, um, it's cross fencing, it's rotational grazing, you know, it's, it's baby steps. It's not these, you know, big endeavors. And, and a lot of it is, is awareness, you know, being aware of, of what you're doing. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are doing a great work at, because, you know, the, the health of a rancher's um, the, the health and su success of a ranching operation, their bottom line is directly tied to the health of their land. And so if you're a good rancher and you're doing a good job, chances are you're, you're doing a good job for the environment. And maybe there's things here and there that, that you can change that would, would, be, would make a huge difference. But um, overall, there's just so much, so much potential that I see uh, in this land um, that's, that's this private land that's held, held by families like, like mine. Um, and I just, I, you know, I think a lot of it is just that, that awareness. You know, I think about that all the time of like, if there's a, a rancher that has no idea that that flower that he's looking at is, is the only one in their county, you know, those, those types of things. Sure. Um, so, and, and I do feel that we need to be more aggressive. We need to be louder. Um, you know, the last 1% of grasslands remaining in Texas and 4% of grasslands in the nation, um, we don't have time to waste. We don't have time to put this off. Um, we need to let all ranchers know that their, their main product is no longer beef. It's, it's that ecosystem that they're, they've been taking care of for generations. So how can other ranchers really be part of this conversation, right? It's going to take us all to be part of it. You know, there's just, right, a, when you look at the population, as you said, there's really only a half a percent of us actually on the land and, and you know, um, taking care of it from that perspective when we look at it from a population. So how can we be part of it? Well, I think, you know, the, the first step would be um, gaining knowledge around the benefits that you are providing, um, you know, um, from an environmental standpoint. So, you know, uh, ranch land is going to vary by region. So let's say you were, you had a ranch in, in New Mexico. Well, maybe um, you're, greatest skill is not going to be carbon sequestration, but I bet you've got a number of endangered species that um, are really pretty thankful that, that this ra your ranch exists, you know, so really um, taking the time to um, uh, learn about um, the benefits that, that your land that you're holding is providing would be step one. 
And the next step I would say is to share it, um, share it somehow. So, um, you know, have, make your family ranch a little Facebook page and just, um, you know, inform others, you know, those are baby, baby steps. And, um, but they have a huge impact because there is a real disconnect between people in an urban environment that um, just have have no idea the 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 process um, of of what it took to get that that steak on their on their table. Yeah, uh, I think that's great. You've done a great job from, you know, your your websites and Facebook pages and videos and you know really telling the story and getting it out there. You know, kind of what about the you know I, I would say maybe build upon which what you talked about is kind of the flip side, right? It's what about the public? You know, what about the individuals that really believe in what you're doing, Meredith, and want to support farmers and ranchers? You know, what can they do to support agriculture in, uh, with its conservation benefits? Yeah, I would, you know, um, demand drives um, all markets. So I think one thing a consumer could do is, um, buy local, know where your food comes from and how it's produced. Um, you know, uh, uh, and then from a supply chain standpoint, I would, you know, um, demand traceability. Um, you know, like when you get a box of strawberries at the store and there's a barcode and you can scan it, you can see the person that picked those strawberries. You know, that, that type of thing doesn't exist in um, the beef realm. And because it doesn't exist, there's no differentiating my steak from maybe someone's steak that, you know, might not um, have the same uh, sentiments about the environment. So, um, you know, traceability and um, buying local, knowing the ranch that you're buying your beef from, uh, you know, supporting those uh those ranches that are um are uh benefiting the environment and doing it right um that creating that type of demand will create a change in the supply chain moving forward yeah great well you know meredith do you have any other closing comments or thoughts you'd like to share with us um you know, I, uh, I just um, appreciate that, um, that my, that the knowledge that there's a lot of options in the future for, in the future of my land. Um, you know, I see uh, a number of different ships that are sailing out there and sailing back to us um, that that are going to be uh, good for the ranching industry. Um, so I just have all the hope in the world for our industry um, going forward in the future. And, you know, I just encourage everyone to um, just really uh, be aware of of the services that they're providing. And I'm not talking about beef. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, again, uh, I thank you, Meredith, one for, you know, joining us today and, and just 
provide an insight and conversation, but more importantly, I just want to thank you, um, you know, for, for helping our industry and helping, helping move, you know, everything forward and, and, you know, your sacrifices and, and everything. It's, it's, it's just amazing to me. And, and I truly appreciate it and, and admire, you know, you and your family for, for that sacrifice. It, it truly does mean a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to other, other ranchers as well. You know, you, you, you know, I, all I would ask is you just keep, keep telling the story often and, and well, and what you do. And uh, I think all of us need to, to join you and be by your side to, to keep telling the story. And uh, thanks again, Meredith. Meredith. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Chad, for all you've done for our ranch and, and so many other ranches um, to help us uh, be on a good path forward. So back yeah. at. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, that's, I think that's what we're all here for, you know, and, and that's what this podcast is about, right? It's beyond the fence line and, you know, which is, to me, you articulated what the podcast is about. It's about you taking care of the land and that private land stewardship public benefit of providing all of those public services um, to the full community and, and to all Texans. And um, so again, appreciate it and hope everybody can join us on our next podcast. So thanks again, have a blessed one. All right, you too, thanks. Beyond the Fence Line is brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust, dedicated to conserving the Texas heritage of agricultural lands, wildlife habitats, and natural resources. Find out more at txaglandtrust.org.